What's Shake and Fire Nation? JLD here with an audio masterclass on how to raise capital from private investors. And what you are going to hear in this interview, Fire Nation, is going to blow you away. I've brought Richard Wilson to drop value bombs here because he helps implement solutions for families whose net worth is over $100 million through his firm, Senti Millionaire Advisors, LLC. He's also the founder of the Family Office Club, which you can find more about at familyoffices.com. It's the largest membership-based family office association with over 1,750 registered family office members and 25 live events per year. We got some value bombs coming your way when we get back from thanking our sponsor. Visit capterra.com slash fire for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. Capterra.com slash fire. Capterra, that's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash fire. Capterra, software selection simplified. Richard, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Hi, Fire Nation. Uh, one thing most people don't know is that I'm a third-generation Eagle Scout, but uh, since I've got three girls ages six and under, there's not going to be a fourth-generation coming. Wait a second. But, wait uh, a second. They just passed a law that girls can now get in the Boy Scouts. Oh, that's right. But uh, I don't know. I find that kind of strange. It's not going to happen. Being a Boy Scout. <laughs> so, uh, no, I don't think that's happening. I'm not going to support uh, that move. <laughs> okay, okay. But it's possible. But I get you. I hear you. It's and- true. Fire Nation, as you know, I'm fired up because this topic is super cool. It's about raising capital from private investors so you can really just go big. And we're going to be talking about a lot of awesome stuff. And Richard is the man to talk about for all the reasons I mentioned in the introduction. So let's just dive in and break it down for us, Richard. Why is this specialized knowledge of raising capital so valued? Mostly because the people who are raising capital typically have never done it before, even though they're seasoned executives. So most people who start an investment firm, a hedge fund, a private equity fund, or a company that needs to raise capital, whether it's Silicon Valley or Kentucky or Singapore, typically their expertise is in manufacturing or high tech or risk management. It's not that they came from a background of raising capital and now they're the executive of a firm and they need to. And I've just found that everybody has a hard time raising capital. Everybody who's good at one type of capital raising wants to now go to the institutional level or to the family office marketplace. So uh, it's a very highly valued skill set. And globally, if you're able to raise capital consistently and attract and talk to investors, you're going to be highly sought after, I've found. Now, you say highly sought after. This might be getting a little too personal, but what exactly is it worth to be highly skilled and trained in this specific area? I found that if you're good at capital raising, then you're typically going to be earning two to $500,000. And if you're really good at it, then you'll be earning uh, close to a million dollars or more. It's why investment bankers uh, get paid a lot. If you're running a merchant bank, if you're a capital raiser for private equity or for private companies consistently, then it's very likely over time that you're going to be earning close to a million dollars a year or more. And if you're really, really good Fire Nation, the sky is the limit. And after this interview, who knows, you might be really, really good. So speaking of getting good, what are your best three strategies for someone who is actually setting out to raise capital? Sure. So I think some of the three fundamental ones would be 
if you imagine going out and raising capital like most people, they're just reaching out to prospects who don't know who they are, reaching out cold. It's like a hunter going to a lake trying to catch a fish with a spear versus if you analyze the lake, figure out the water flows, figure out where the fish are congregating and position yourself like a grizzly bear at the waterfall, you can get the fish jumping towards you and you can reverse the normal flow of cold calling investors and having them cold calling you through having like our family office podcast or your EO Fire podcast, uh, creating resources that other people value and being generous with ideas and insights and resources, you can reverse that flow and get investors coming to you who are pre-qualified to invest in what you're offering. So I think that's the first thing, which is fundamental, is to get them coming towards you. Uh, the second thing is that if you think about why people invest, they have to really navigate three different types of trust curves. And I think a lot of people forget this when they raise capital from friends and family, they get that done with ease perhaps, and they go out in the marketplace and nobody replies to their emails, nobody takes meetings with them. What's happening is that an investor needs to move up these three trust curves and they are leadership, which is the executive, the founder, uh, it is the opportunity, the specific real estate building on 8th Street or the technology company you're raising capital for. And then there's the industry overall and the ecosystem that the company is in. And the investor has to have trust and understanding, a basic understanding of that space. And that's why people start with friends and family. They're so far up that leadership curve that they trust you're going to take care of them, even if they don't know the industry and just only sort of understand the deal. Uh, but it's a shortcut if you run out of friends and family to go to and you want to raise capital. It's much better to go to people who already understand self-storage or stem cells if you have a stem cell deal. Even if they're not local to the deal and it's hard for them to do full due diligence on site, if they know the industry like the back of their hand, they're going to see the value in your specific deal or not pretty quickly because you don't have to teach them the ABCs of your space. And importantly about that, another insight is that if you think about those three curves, you just never want to be going into a meeting where somebody is at ground zero on all three. And whatever meeting you go into, you should be thinking, who is this person? What is their firm? And which one of the curves do I need to be moving them up and focusing 80% of your energy on that curve, which is most important to the dynamic of that relationship. And I, that's something that I, you know, took about 10 years. I've been running the family office club for 12. And it wasn't until just about two years ago that I realized those three trust curves are really central to all of the investment decisions of the ultra wealthy, of individuals that are worth 10 million, 50 million, or $100 million plus. Um, and then I would say that on top of that, the next strategy is to Create good luck for yourself by being in three different social communities or professional organizations that are just full of potential prospects. So it could be Porsche car racing, if that's your thing. It could be golf or a yacht club. It could be a business owner club, like a high-end strategic coach or a YPO group, etc. But if you're in groups where the cost to get in, the location of it, the interest type is such that it slants towards a demographic that could be a qualified investor for you, and it's something you would just have fun doing, then you can really make business friends, investor friends on accident. And a good example of this is when I moved from when I was in Portland, Oregon, and over, I only met family offices when I was traveling and through our media. I only met five of them locally over six years. And now that I moved on to this island of Key Biscayne, we're about 10 minutes from downtown Miami, uh, I've met f more family offices at my four-year-old's preschool uh, just in the first year that we were here than I did the whole time I was in Oregon. And I've met them pushing the swing at the park 
And when we had a barbecue in our backyard, we had four or five family offices come over because they were simply the parents of my kids' friends. Uh, and that just would never happen in Oregon. So you have to put yourself in the right community, your office in the right place, live in the right uh, place to give yourself good luck and good fortune in meeting investor leads without having to try too hard and cold call everybody. Fire Nation, let's go through these really quickly again. That's number one, get them coming towards you. Position yourself correctly. Number two, you want to shorten that trust curve by going to the right people or figuring out what you need to be focusing on to getting them to where they need to be. And then, of course, create good luck for yourself. You need to have three communities at a minimum that are full of great prospects. Where are those prospects going to be coming from, Fire Nation? So, when it actually comes to marketing materials and pitch decks, you see a lot of people making a lot of mistakes. What are some of those top mistakes you see most investors make? Sure, sure. We have about 5,500 participants coming through our family office club workshops and investor summits each year. And uh, we've hosted over 110 events now. And we see same mistakes over and over and over again. Uh, one is that somebody might put $10,000, $20,000 into graphic design but they don't spend just the mental energy and even two hours of their life just meditating on the fact of, to a specific investor type, why are we relevant on planet Earth? When we compare ourselves to the competition, how do we put in one sentence why we're compelling, why an investor should lean forward, why someone should be excited to take a meeting with us? And I feel like it's a disservice to themselves. They might have 10 years' experience in their space and they've done 20 deals but they haven't just had the mental clarity to kind of do their own homework and communicate very clearly to potential investors. So that's the first mistake. The second one is having low to no visuals. Um, many times there will be clip art type images or just lots of text in the pitch decks and no clear visual. And so the most important thing to go along with the one-liner is to put your secret sauce visual in there of how do you add value to the world? How do you underwrite your deals? Or how, do you, how does your technology or manufacturing work? And kind of show in a simple process how you're adding value consistently and why that's going to protect the capital or grow the capital for your potential investor. Just like Steve Jobs uh, who designed things so that it would impute value upon the, the Apple products, you need to, when raising capital, design things so it looks professional at the very least, if not look superior to co your competition. Because before they meet you or in combination of meeting with you, a lot of times raising capital around intellectual property or an idea uh, or a joint venture, et cetera, is very much a non-tangible thing. Or maybe there's only one asset they can go and see. A lot of it is trust in you and conviction in you and your team. And the capital raising process is all about de-risking a decision to move forward and trust you with their capital. So you need to really have the visuals be doing your experience justice and be respecting the professionalism uh, that they would expect of you at every turn. And a good rule of thumb is just that if you're raising $10 million, just think of investing 0.1% of what you're raising capital for. It's such a tiny percentage. If you're raising $10 million, spend $10,000 for your initial budget. If you're raising $30 million, maybe spend $30,000 to put your materials together and make it as professional as possible. Another way to think about it is you should be able to raise $30 million 
and 30,000 extra just because the materials are better, many times you could raise the capital a month faster, three months faster, or you could raise 10 or 20% more capital because more people are going to say yes to your meetings and the meetings are just going to go better. So you're going to get a better conversion rate. So Fire Nation, one sentence, why are you so compelling? You need to be able to answer that stuff. And then, hey, if you have low to no visuals, you're doing something wrong. A ton of text equals a ton of snoring. And then, hey, be willing to invest 0.1% of your overall raise into what you're doing. And you know, if that's $10 million, what about $10,000 into this actual presentation? You need to make the investment to make it work. And now you, Richard, work with a ton of ultra wealthy families and many of them, they're now forming these quote unquote family offices. Can you break down what a family office is and why it's so hot right now? Sure. Well, there's well well over 10,000 family offices globally, and they're being started all of the time. And essentially, a family office is a more complete, full balance sheet solution for the ultra wealthy. If you're worth, you know, seven to 10 million or 20, 30 million, you might use what's called a multifamily office, which is like a wealth management firm, much more holistic and full 360 degree solution for you. And then if you are worth say 50 million, 100 million plus, you might want to have a single family office built for yourself, which is a team dedicated to managing your balance sheet, your investment decisions, your business decisions, filing you know taxes and paperwork, regulatory concerns for you. And the reason why it's becoming so popular is that the wealthier you are, the more likely it is that things are going to get missed because there's so much going on. You might have 100 different LLCs and just keeping those LLCs up to date relevant insurance, relevant regulatory concerns, and filing your taxes around all of that is a lot going on, not to mention all of the board member roles and owner roles you might have in all those different LLCs. And so you can imagine if you're worth $100 million or even just $30 million, making a small mistake could cost you $100,000 or $200,000. I was doing a podcast interview earlier today, and the podcast interviewer brought up an example that, yeah, I'm sure somebody who's worth $300 million might just make a mistake on putting something on a credit card and using the wrong credit card, and that might cost them 50000 a year, and they could have hired a full-time professional. And it was funny he brought up that example because I just recently uh, hosted 1,000 people at the Intercontinental in downtown Miami for our annual family office club event, and we spent uh, about $250,000, and my team was moving quick. They put the bill on the credit card instead of doing a wire. It made no difference to us. Uh, we were paying at the same time either way, and just that one little mistake you know, cost us $50,000 in, in credit card fees that we had to then pay uh, back to uh, because of that transaction. Mm. And so what what my point is that the wealthier you get, the more likely you are to make mistakes and the more costly those mistakes are. So uh, you're basically paying for a family office when you're ultra wealthy, whether you have one or not. You're paying because of all the mistakes you make and the missed tax optimization and the poor trust and estate planning and the less strategic direct investments or acquisitions of businesses that you're doing. Uh, And you're paying that through lack of execution and stress and chaos, or you're going to pay it in the form of hiring people or contracting that out and getting a multifamily office to help you. So as more ultra wealthy hear of this term, the more people say, hey, I should have a family office, or maybe we should check out this, this family office trend. 
Fire Nation, it definitely is a trend. And if you want some more value bombs from Richard, stick around because they are coming up right after this break. It's common to use online reviews to help us make choices in our everyday lives. Whether it's looking for the best brunch spot or finding the closest place to get a good haircut, it's a familiar concept. So why should finding the right software for your business be any different? It doesn't have to be. You can read thousands of real software reviews to help you find the right software for your business right now at capterra.com slash fire. With over 750,000 reviews of products from real software users, you'll get great insights from users who've been there, done that, whether you're looking for accounting software, web conferencing tools, or anything in between. I know from personal experience that hearing from other business owners who are currently using a specific platform is key to deciding what's best for me and my business. Join the millions of people who use Capterra each month to find the right tools for their business. Visit capterra.com slash fire for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. Capterra. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash fire. Capterra. Software selection simplified. So Richard, we're back. And a question that I have, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have is, well, how do I even find the ultra wealthy? Like what is the best way to hunt them down and the correct way? The best way is to think about in your local area, what type of wealth has been created and then what type of communities and groups you can naturally be a part of. Um, But deeper than that is thinking about your own background, your DNA, what your experience has been, what jobs you've held, what businesses you've ran, and what your strengths and passions are, and then find that intersection of what headaches exist in the industry and how could you provide something very unique to the space that is going to be the best thing, the best option available for potential clients because it's playing off of your unique strengths and to this new, uh, newly being developed industry of family offices. Most people who are ultra wealthy don't even know what the word family office means. Um, a lot of people get confused by the term and think it's a home-based business uh, office or something, and it's it's not that at all. And so figuring out how to solve the headaches using your skill set of the ultra-wealthy can be a really valuable thing to do. And we have, um, we've found over and over again that the ultra-wealthy like to reach out to people who have a solution for one of their top headaches, and they will not usually reply to your cold email, your cold phone call. Even if they get an introduction through someone, if it's not a problem they're trying to currently solve, they just don't have a lot of time for extra meetings. They might say, yeah, we're happy to keep in touch in case we ever need to tap your expertise in philanthropy or whatever it is. But if it's not on their list of things they're trying to get done, there's just too many people asking for their time. And we recently came out with a resource directly because of that um, called Centimillionaire Migraines. Uh, Centimillionaire means $100 million dollar plus net worth, kind of like billionaire obviously means a billion dollar plus. And I think in the future, you know, this words family office, it's already becoming very common in the investment industry. Just about everyone knows what it means. But in general public, a lot of people don't. Uh, but even in the investment industry, a lot of people are just starting to hear about the word centimillionaire. And we've found that they are over 40,000 of these $100 million plus individuals globally, and they need a lot of help in managing their wealth and getting things set up right. So at our events, we feature family offices on stage. We help train people on how to get access and work with and raise capital from family offices and private investors. And 
we're excited about that whole trend because it's really moving quick as an industry. Centimillionaire migraines. Guess what, Fire Nation? People with $100 million plus, they have headaches too. Believe me, they have headaches too. It's just reality. They're human beings. Now, what exactly is the family office club? I mean, we went through it before the break a little bit and you shared some things and you shared like why people join, the benefits they get, but let's kind of go a little bit deeper so we can kind of paint a better picture of what it is, this, this movement that you're creating, so to speak. Family Office Club is a community. It's a private club. We have over 1,750 registered private investors and family offices in the club. We have over 900 subscribers. Um, it's a month-to-month subscription to be a charter member in the club. And in exchange for that, you get access to our 25 live events per year. You also get access to live streaming the events, recorded events. Every three months, we'll review your pitch deck and review all of your materials you're showing to investors and give you detailed feedback on that. And out of our 25 events per year, half of them are training workshops, so small group exercises, fast-paced. We go through about 30 strategies uh, per day at those workshops and help you implement those through implementation worksheets. So you walk away with a practical plan on how you're going to improve your capital raising. And then the other half of the events are investor summits where you get come here from 20 to 30 investors on stage in a single day and how they structure deals, what fees they're paying, what innovative new strategies they're looking for, and what their investment mandates are. So you can try to get some deals done, but also just hear uh, from a lot of investors in a single day. And it's like a fire hose of insights you can use to go back and do a better job while raising capital. So our membership is um, 199 a month for a one event every three month quarterly option, or the unlimited event option is 299 a month. And I think the most important thing that's in line with what you're doing, John, is just we found not only in attracting family offices, but also those who are raising capital, the more we give away, then the more business friends we make and people come back after two years, after five years and say, hey, you helped me get started. Now we've raised 100 million or 30 million and we want to become a member or we want to speak at your events, et cetera. And so we're all about giving a ton away to both the family offices, but also those raising capital. So for those of you that are just getting familiar with the space, um, we've got a couple resources available. And the first one that's been most popular is our book on capital raising, uh, which is at capitalraising.com. And we don't have time to go over all of the strategies and tips and insights on raising capital that we've learned over the past 12 years while running the Family Office Club. But at capitalraising.com, we have a free book and a resource that's going to walk you through the five steps to raise capital and just help you avoid a lot of the $100,000 plus mistakes that most people raising capital make the first and second time they go out into the marketplace. So if somebody's listening right now and they're saying to themselves, I'm not a centi-millionaire right now and it's probably not going to happen for me in the, the you know near-term future at least, what would be something that you think that they could do? Like what's an action they could take over the next few months to start moving them in the right direction of, you know, just learning more about this whole world of capital raising and being part of this, you know, this segment of the population. 
Sure. Uh, well, if you're a podcast li- listener, which if you're hearing this, I'm guessing you are, we have a uh, family office podcast. We put out some of our conference content there. I put out some insights there each week. So you could always subscribe to the family office podcast to learn more about the basics. I mentioned capitalraising.com, but we also own familyoffices.com. And at familyoffices.com, we've got a book on the industry which interviews 30 family offices. So you don't have to come to an event to hear from them and travel, et cetera. You could get started just by downloading that resource and kind of reading over what these family offices are saying in the interviews. But I think also people need to remember that if you're raising capital from private investors now, you might be used to raising $50,000 at a time. But with a family office, you don't need to get 40 family offices into your deal. You might get one or two family offices that commit a million dollars, 500,000, maybe $5 million each. And then you could round that out with some of your normal size private investors. So you don't need 20 or 30 new active relationships per year. You need one to four per year that you highly respect, you over deliver to, and they could be systematic Uh, seed investors, anchor investors, co-GP investors, and just creative business minds to be collaborating with and adding strategic value or JV equity value to what you're doing. So I think just approaching it with an open mindset. Most people who listen to you are entrepreneurs. And most people who become centimillionaires, they're entrepreneurs. So you shouldn't approach them with like, here's my term sheet. And I'm a robot trying to raise capital (laughs) from you. Take the terms. It doesn't work with these guys. It wouldn't work with you, John. You add a unique strategic value, right? So you want to be approached in a way that respects your DNA and who you are, and they're the same way. So we've mentioned a couple resources. There's capitalraising.com, which you'll go there, Fire Nation, get a free book, which outlines the five steps to raise capital. Um, Richard has the Family Office Podcast, and there's also familyoffices.com is a URL with more information. So all that is great stuff. Any other resources or books that you want to mention before we uh, move into the last segment, Richard? I think the only other thing is that uh, I know a lot of your listeners are entrepreneurs, maybe even first-time entrepreneurs, but if anyone here has sold their business and is looking to start their own family office, we have a niche website just specific to that at uh, singlefamilyoffices.com. It's not really geared towards those raising capital. It's really strictly for those that are looking to set up a family office solution for themselves. But I think that's the only one other one I would mention. Now give us the one big takeaway that you want to make sure our listeners really get from this entire audio masterclass. And then we'll say goodbye. Well, I think the number one most important thing is true for somebody setting up a family office. It's true for a entrepreneur doing $100,000 a year in revenue. It's also true for somebody trying to raise $100 million for their real estate development company or their private equity fund that's investing in, in entrepreneurs all the time. And I think that is integrity. And I don't see integrity just as the moral alignment with making good decisions, but as everything in your life and business being in complete alignment so there aren't fr- there isn't friction, you aren't dragging anchors behind you, your core values are aligned with what you're trying to get done, it's in line with who you hire, it's in line with your brand, it's in line with the clothes you wear, it's in line with where you live, it's in line with the food you put in your body, and you aren't conflicting with yourself and your own team at every turn. And I just find that whether you're raising capital or growing a business or trying to develop your direct investment program as a decamillionaire or a centimillionaire or a family office, the more aligned your actions can be 
with the new reality you want to create and the more aligned all of the pieces are pointing in the same direction, then the more that everyone around you is going to want to work with you because subconsciously they're just going to have high conviction because you do because they get that the fabric is woven together tight and that you're something unique and powerful because of that focus. Fire Nation, this is possible. Learn from those who have come before us. Richard's sharing with you all of these great and very attainable and some of them free resources that you can consume to learn more to see if this is for you. We already talked about the Family Office podcast. Go check that out. Listen to what he has going on there. CapitalRaising.com. That's a free book which outlines those five steps to raising capital. He has FamilyOffices.com and SingleFamilyOffices.com for whichever one you may find more value in. And I just want to say, Fire Nation, to remember that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with RW and JLD today. So keep up the heat. And Richard, thank you for sharing your truth, your knowledge, your value bombs with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we will catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. Hey, Fire Nation, today's value bomb content was brought to you by Richard. And if you're ready to accomplish that one big goal, check out the freedomjournal.com because you'll accomplish your number one goal in 100 days with my simple step-by-step process. And if you use promo code podcast, you'll get a nice little discount. And thank you for listening to my podcast. So I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I will catch you on the flip side. Visit capterra.com slash fire for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. Capterra.com slash fire. Capterra. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash fire. Capterra. Software selection simplified.